0: Hello and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to today's podcast in association with White Moose Media. Moose on the Loose, it's called, in case you didn't know. My guest today is somebody who I suspect is a lot more comfortable in front of the camera than I am. It's my very sister, the lovely Eleni Penny. Uh. Hello, Eleni Penny. How are you?
1: Didn't we say... Oh, you don't
0: like the word Eleni Penny?
1: No, because what do Mum and Dad call
0: me? Eleni Penny. Mum and Dad always said Eleni Penny.
1: They didn't. They just say Eleni.
0: Okay. Uh, Sometimes it was Eleni Penny, but it's it's always a term of endearment as far as I see it. It's a term of endearment. So, Hmm. hmm.
1: okay, okay.
0: So, folks, today we are going to talk about a subject that might be a little bit um, challenging at times. But it's something that I do feel we need to talk about because, you know, we need to normalize being adopted. We need to remove the stigma because there's a lot of stigma surrounding it. So this podcast is going to talk about how both your good self and yours truly were adopted and various different aspects of our life, including the reading of a letter, giving some information on my birth family and elaine is going to read that out to me in some time but firstly let's just talk about our early life in five Greener so, mount road tower near dublin six you were the most spoiled child.
1: shh don't give out our home address and phone number remember you used to al-
0: you remember you used to 4909285
1: oh, i
0: don't give it out it doesn't exist anymore i remember 4909285
1: i remember all my friends from school their phone numbers I can't say that, but I know them all by heart. I and don't, so do not I, I yeah. don't know one person's except for yours. Their yeah. mobile phone number right. isn't that mad. I, d- I know nobody's. Yeah, you know I mean? that's the only number. Those the only numbers you had to remember. But I suppose yeah. that's why parents said it when they answered the phone.
0: Yeah, yeah. Remember, Dad didn't want us answering the phone. So now, Paul, of you, you're identifying your number. Well, yeah. Well, Dad, they did call it. You know, they kind of know what. It, anyway, look, let's go back to our early life. So, from my point of view.
1: You were a very, very spoiled, indulged child. I will say that to start off with. Were we not all? You especially. But it's okay. It's it's fine.
0: Uh, Well, I don't, I I dispute that. I mean, were you not all equally spoiled?
1: No. It was, first of all, mum and dad really wanted to have a child. And then Uh you were the first that came onto the scene. Mm -hmm. And I think they just were so obsessed with you and showered you with such attention and love and took photographs and did everything based around Paul. Paul. Paul, 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 Paul. And then they had two more girls and the girls were kind of similar in age, similar gender, like the same, two girls. So it was kind of Paul and the, and then two years later, two girls kind of, Nearly so close in age, they were nearly twins. So I don't twins. agree with
0: that at all, but it's how you interpret it. Did you feel like you didn't feel less loved?
1: Um, no, I didn't at all, but I did feel like I did think that you got a lot more attention. Now, I think that's with the eldest boy in a lot of families mm. that the the eldest and the fact that you're a boy um, got you or you know, a lot more attention was put on you and maybe a lot more pressure, a lot more focus in a negative way, maybe also. It was all like when Paul had the junior surge. it was like, you know, the end of the world. When when I had it, Joanne had, <laughs> it was just like, oh, whatever. Do they need to do those or, or we go down to Ackle? <laughs> so it was more, it was more, everything was about you. It was all about you. So I think that has had a profound effect on you as a person that you you're used to getting attention. You're used to getting your own way in the nicest possible way. And yeah, I
0: remember when so w- the way mum and dad always dealt with because look, OK. Mum and dad, for whatever re- reason, couldn't have, you know, uh, kids. They did have a child. Who, yeah. Called Jimmy, who's now buried in the, um, okay. what do you call it? What do you call it? So you,
1: yes, yeah, Glass Nevin.
0: Glass but what's it called the something the the angels?
1: I don't know what it's called.
0: That was a very sad situation. So then they adopted me. They adopted you, and then Joanne came along naturally. Mm-hmm. But, um, we were always told that we arrived on the scene. We were never told that when we were you were born, born yeah. So that so it must be it must have been a very difficult task for mum and dad to decide, OK, look, how are we going to handle this? When are we going to tell them? And from my memory anyway, um, I believe that it was handled perfectly because I never remember a specific time where mum and dad said, OK, Paul, sit down there on the couch. Now we're going to, you know you're a little bit different to the to 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 Joanne. I never remember that. Do you
1: No, it was too it was too young to tell you. So it was before you could even understand what the concept was. Mm. So that meant you didn't they didn't have to explain it. Mm. So it was sort of naturally there before you even realized. Mm.
0: Mm. You and know. I think that's that's really hats off to Mom and dad. Yeah, because I do think that finding out that you were adopted at a certain age, like let's say if they'd wait until we were 12 or 15. I know. I think that
1: would be very difficult for people who who don't know the whole time.
0: Yeah. Um, The other thing I think it's important to say now is that kind of like I, from my memory, we had a fairy tale upbringing and mum and dad couldn't have been better parents.
1: Yeah. Would you agree with that? Except when you cried on Christmas morning. When you were eleven, because you didn't get enough presents. What you did, and and I remember. So hang
0: on a minute. You're you're younger than me. (laughs) Two years. Two years. Yeah. Sorry. So you so you were nine at the time, Mm -hmm. and you remember me crying on Christmas morning.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it was it was like you were like that. So and that's when I realised how spoiled you were. And it was concerning, honestly. What, 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 and what mom says, "You just didn't get enough. There was just no. <laughs> you were. So I mean, I think you might have been spoiled a bit too much. Um, you weren't sort of. Um, I think you were just lavished with gifts and and attention. Gold, silver, and <laughs> earth, and was no, bathed in. I think there was there the was too much. Um, honestly,
0: no, I. I, 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 I
1: I only know as a middle child yeah. and middle children usually can tell these things. Mm. Joanne, the youngest, mm. no attention. Unfortunately, really? no None.
0: Elaine I I don't I I really don't remember that time. I remember
1: distinctly because mom said to you Paul don't be upset dad we don't want dad to 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 be upset that you're upset and then a a few minutes later dad said "Ah, Paul don't be upset because you'll upset mom if you get upset Hmm. and then Joanne and I the two younger ones said to you Paul will you just stop it (laughs) you're upsetting mom and dad so you were kind of. Um, I realized then you were a little bit too spoiled because even though, I mean, we got so many presents, but even I knew if I didn't like my presents, um, that I wasn't going to show it. But you mm. did. You didn't care. You were just like, oh, I thought I'd get more. <laughs> That's exactly what you did. And it was a bit like, He's really spoiled.
0: Mm, okay. Well, I, yeah.
1: Maybe you were addicted to presents. <laughs> you That's... didn't get enough. You needed another dopamine hit of um, another present.
0: A lot of rubbish. Um, but what I do remember from you, Elaine, was, yes. and seeing as we're talking about Christmas. Oh, um yeah. Like, I think you stopped believing in Santi way before me. Because... Elaine was the type of person and it, it's no surprise that Elaine is a journalist and, you know, she likes to ask questions and she likes to find the truth. and She likes to, you know,
1: get to the bottom of get things, get to the bottom of I things. I don't like being deceived or okay. any deception.
0: But there was one uh, <laughs> Christmas uh, Eve where
1: I decided to wait up. Elaine waited
0: up and mum and dad had put her to sleep.
1: No <laughs> one and, and and yeah they
0: tucked you in we were tucked in as kids night, night. No, no no do you know what we did as kids we were tucked in and we had to say our prayers what was it teeth prayers and something okay no no this is something you don't want to talk about so was it like a ritual we used to <laughs> do teeth every wheeze and bed teeth wheeze and bed and bed consisted of us all kind of no,
1: it just meant it meant go to the bathroom, and go to bed.
0: Yeah, but remember that we had to we say did, our prayers. We
1: did all. We all would um would kneel down by our bed and say a prayer, um, a Hail Mary.
0: Holy God, please bless Mummy and Daddy,
1: Elaine, Paul, and Joanne, Joanne
0: Anne, Auntie Kathleen, Uncle John. <laughs>
1: of
0: which we, we don't need to do it now. Yeah, Auntie <laughs> Kathleen. I think Michael. lots of people. Yeah, a lot of people, but I'm I'm just trying to recite recite the and and oh. yeah. Anyway, you
1: have it on a cam. We have a camcorder, yeah,
0: but like. That that was drilled into us every single night to the point yeah. that at the age of 43, we still remember it. Elaine, Paul, do I'm you I'm not mind? 43, thanks. I'm
1: 43. Oh, well, let's just be clear.
0: Um, But anyway, so Elaine, that night, mum and dad thought she was in bed.
1: And, no, uh, I, I probably spoke to know. them I I would have said to them, look, there's something going on here. I'm on to you two yeah. and I'm not happy that I'm being... Is Santa Claus real or not? Hmm. And they would have said, "My mum, would I remember how she would have said it? Santa Claus is real, Elaine." Hmm. <laughs> she With a would bang have, on
0: the table for every syllable. Santa Claus is real. That was
1: more. <laughs> but how Annie and Ellie. does he get to? I just I didn't understand it, and it didn't make yeah. sense to me. And I was like pretty sure. I was like, you know, my friend's house down the road, and there's somebody else's house. Logistically, there's all these, it, something wasn't adding up. Mm. And I was, the more they sort of pr- tried to persuade me, and I think I'm, I'm sure I went up to the attic to look for presents and all that kind of thing. And I decided to wait up. Mm. And the words were, when my son, mum, and dad sneaking out of bed, gotcha. Oh, <laughs> Jesus gotcha. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I actually said it. Gotcha. And um, they said, oh, I, I think then they had to tell me. Did they have to tell us okay, But
0: don't tell your brother and sister. Something like that.
1: I feel really bad. But, I mean, when I was actually. They should have slipped me a sleeping pill and <laughs> made sure I didn't wake up.
0: <clears throat> okay. Uh, when I was uh, a kid, though, just when we're talking about Santa Claus, um, what I could never understand was how when you went to the Santa Claus in Nook Grove shopping center. He had a Dublin accent. I was like, but you're supposed to be from the North
1: Pole. No. And then Santa
0: Claus, the movie, would have an American accent. And then.
1: I think um, that we were told, which was quite clever, that's actually one of his elves. Elves. And then you kind of felt you were being let in on a secret. And you were like, "Okay, the younger ones can think that's Santa. But we know. And I think Mm -hmm. I used to say to the Santas, I know you're just an elf. (laughs) I know you're not the
0: real man. I know Some (laughs) others don't But I know But Because your secret is safe with me, Santi
1: Um, Do you remember um, In the kitchen one year Santa rang us On the phone Oh,
0: ho, ho Yeah Uh,
1: That was very exciting Who would that have been? David Darmody
0: No, I don't think so David David is my mum's brother
1: I think it was him Was it? Yeah
0: Do we know for a fact?
1: No We don't know who it is So we can't confirm Um, He could have gotten away with it (laughs) it thought that we really believed he <laughs> rang us out of everyone. Oh, I
0: definitely believed him. I definitely believed him. But like, again.
1: What age were we? How
0: many children? How many millions or billions of <laughs> children? See, when you're young,
1: you don't realise there's that. It's, 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 That's he, how, what that would was his
0: phone bill be like?
1: Always a good expert. No, he only rang us out of uh, everyone. He we, chose us. Because we dad knew somebody who knew somebody. And then they were like, he's ringing a few yeah, people.
0: We're, we were in the know. But, um, so is it any wonder then you went on to do journalism? That was kind of you were always inquisitive and questioning. Which
1: well, you know what? You used to be and this still happens to this day, mm-hmm. that mum and dad will confide in you and to tell you things prematurely before they make more bigger announcements. So I, you were always my my um Informant. My mole. <laughs>
0: <laughs> is that not part of... it's not just like you the honest, eldest child? Is that yeah. just because so i the you,
1: So were you treated differently?
0: No, but uh, I mean... No, I might have been... Were, well, look, I was more mature.
1: You were not. We well, were certainly a lot of things, but you were not more mature. Definitely Mr. not. Crying on Christmas Day. I'm
0: still... I'm still... I still have the maturity no, I, I was, of a teenager. I, I
1: suppose I felt a bit jealous that they would confide in you things uh. and not... But, uh, but uh, <laughs> then I'd get it out of you anyway.
0: So let's move to a different <laughs> subject. <laughs> Moving swiftly on. Um, so this kind of. You know, you searching for information and looking for the truth kind of transferred over into another element of our yes, childhood. There was sort of Which is a little bit more sensitive, I guess. So like we'll talk about this, but if at any point you want to roll it back or you. Do you want to just stop? Just we, we don't need to. We can go as deep or as shallow into this as you want.
1: I knew but there talk was,
0: to me about. I that.
1: knew there was information in the attic.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I thought to myself, this in this house, there must be some information, some paper, some official documents, something to in reference to what happened. And I, I was like, it, it has to be. Where would they keep it?
0: In reference to your adoption?
1: Yes and to yours, to yeah. your adoption, our
0: adoption. yeah. Yes,
1: I I just I, I knew s- somehow that there was sort of dad had a, not an office upstairs, but he kept files and things mm. upstairs and mm. we used to go up and play in the attic and there was all these gray, huge 1980s style file that file um, that you'd pull out. I with was all all these. scared
0: of the attic, to be honest. You know, were scared. of the. I was don't 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 not scared of the there. attic.
1: And when we had lots of suites up in the attic, and we'd people over. Who'd go up and get all the, retrieve the sweets for us all? I did.
0: <clears throat> okay. I um, don't remember that at all. But anyway, okay. Sounds you like great were, fun. I was were, scared. I thought the bogeyman were scared.
1: was up there. You were scared. I did
0: think the bogeyman was up there.
1: What even is a bogeyman?
0: Something scary.
1: Something sinister. It
0: represents. And, and you know what, in many ways, maybe he was. Oh,
1: but but keep going. Very, very <laughs> metaphorical. Um. Yeah, so I went up to the attic and I, I was 11 years old. Mm. And I thought, you know, there's got to be some information somewhere. Mm. And I saw I just there was two files. Obviously, they're going to be and it was only two. I o- pulled them open, went through file by file. Maybe there was bills and mm. bank ESB. statements, boring stuff. Yeah. Who cares? Throw it all away. <laughs> yeah.
0: Leave it really untidy. Don't put everything. No, back I the way it was. I would
1: have put it back exactly. Mm. And then I found St. Louis's Adoption Society Mm -hmm. letter and I was like, bingo, I've got, I've gotcha. My favorite expression.
0: uh, Taking gotcha to another level.
1: Yeah, this time it was more serious. Mm, Well, I would think (laughs) so. Yeah, so I went through everything. it It was an evening, I think, around seven in the evening and then I would have brought it to you. And said, so
0: where was I was I not part this wasn't a mission that we were both on.
1: No, no, it was just me. I didn't so, so I didn't I, tell you about it. Mm. And then you would have been downstairs. I'm just guessing you were downstairs mm. with everyone. Mm. I don't even know what day it was, the day of the week. And later on that evening, I brought it to my room and then I, I said, Paul, come here. I have something to show you. And I remember you looking at it all going, I wish you didn't show me this. I didn't want this. And you just, I felt bad, but well, I didn't, I didn't foresee or think that you may be more sensitive. Well, look,
0: I wouldn't have wanted to know, you know, um, at at that point in my life, what age do you reckon we were?
1: I was 11. I'd say you were 13.
0: Okay, I would have thought it was a bit younger than that, but let's say I was 13. I was still a very immature, you know, child, pretty much. Well, you were a kid, yeah. Yeah, but I wouldn't have. So, my memories of that moment were, I was, I was pretty much traumatised, because this fairy tale family that we had, was now the bubble was bursting in front of me, and. But
1: you knew you were adopted, so I did,
0: but I didn't see it in black and white. It was, and I didn't know I was adopted. But you know what? I didn't know I was adopted. Of course, I knew I was adopted. But that's not how it was fed to us. It was fed to us like we arrived on the scene. We were equally when as. When you
1: were 13, you yeah, knew. I was you a child. Knew.
0: I knew. You knew. But I had never seen it in black and white. So you opened the file. And yeah. what do you remember being in that file?
1: Um, an application to request um, placements or something to okay. that effect of a boy.
0: Okay. So that all related to me.
1: Yeah. So they requested a boy.
0: Okay, so uh, as it turns out, that file is now at my right foot, and uh, it's all here. And um, the letter, a letter that was within that file, um, is now in Elaine's possession, and we're going to read it out. Now,
1: I just noticed it's dated 21st of January, 1982, which is strange because you were born. Two years after I was born, yeah. In 1980. Years from, yeah. So. Why do you think that is?
0: I don't have no idea.
1: Do you think it was just late? Like back in those days, it was hardly.
0: Probably just as bad as these days. It's almost bureaucracy and. Red tape and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. But look, I don't think the letter, two year delay is, is really important. And
1: there's not even like it doesn't say it's from the social worker whose name.
0: It can be said.
1: Is Anne Valentine. And what's and, mum and dad's name? Yeah,
0: this is really kind of.
1: Is it synchronicity or is it a coincidence? What's synchronicity.
0: Yeah, I do. Be, well, I believe in that kind of shit. I do. I do believe that there's I don't necessarily believe in God, but I believe in something. And I do believe that everything happens for a reason. And I do believe in synchronicity and stuff like this. And there's like Anne Valentine being the name of the social worker looking after my case. And mum's name, Anne, dad's name, Valentine, was a bit. was a bit coincidental, if not more.
1: Huge coincidence. It's not a common name.
0: No. But anyway, do you want to read out?
1: Yeah. 21st of January, 1982. Mr. and Mrs. V. Stenson. Mm hmm. Dear Mr. and Mrs. Stenson, I'm pleased to enclose the following background information on Paul's first parents. First parents. Hmm? It's an unusual. I've never heard of that before. You
0: would have expected biological. Yeah. Okay.
1: So that you'll be able to answer his questions as he learns of his adoption. Bridget, Paul's mother, was 25 at the time of his birth. She is the eldest in a family of 10 children born to her parents. Bridget's own birth was premature by at least eight weeks that's not that much. Two months premature. Um, I think
0: in nineteen. Well, not nineteen eighty. So that's when I was born. This months. is like, this would have been nineteen fifty five.
1: Oh, Bridget. Oh, so, okay. So, so okay. I think
0: I think in nineteen fifty five, eight weeks prematurity is a lot, vis a vis like nowadays. So I don't think the services or the facilities would have been. Anyway, look, the okay. long story. The, keep going. She
1: weighed but one pound, 14 ounces and spent the first six months of her life in hospital. Her normal So sorry,
0: just two seconds. Six months.
1: Six months of her so life. So not six weeks. Six months.
0: So six months.
1: Six months. Yeah. Um, Her normal development was somewhat curtailed and Bridget had learning difficulties in school. She attended the local national school in the seaside town where she was reared, leaving at the age of 14 to work in a factory. Bridget is described as a pleasant, kind girl who laughs easily. She's five foot one in height, weighing nine stone and of stocky build. She has black hair with some premature graying. Bridget's eyes are hazel. Same as me. Like you. Yeah. She had eye surgery for the correction of a squint as a child and is supposed to wear spectacles. Bridget likes to listen to records and enjoys knitting. She is fond of children and Paul is her fourth child. She cared with the help of her parents for an older boy and girl having placed her second son for adoption. Bridget thought that she would be unable to give Paul the care that he needed. She loved him and cared well for him while he and she were in St. Patrick's home, Navin Road. She has said that if Paul should we- wish to me- meet her when he is old enough to know exactly who she is in relation to him, contact may be initiati- initiated through St. Louis Adoption Society. Paul's father was Sammy, was Sammy, they say, aged 32 years. He was working in the post office in the town where Bridget lived and resided in his uncle's house there, his parents being dead. His relationship was Bridget... With was without any commitment to marrying, Sammy is described as of fair coloring with blue eyes and black hair. He's five foot three approximately in height and of thin build. Bridget described him as shy and, and a kind person. Sammy likes to play football and in, took an interest in horse racing. Paul was born in Saint James's Hospital, Dublin, eight at eleven fifteen on June twenty nineteen eighty. He weighed eight pounds ten ounces. On July 5th, 1980, he was christened at the request of his mother. And in her presence, Bridget retains a photo of Paul in his christening robe. Bridget participated fully in Paul's placement with you as adoptive parents. She sought Paul's security in your home. With every good wish, yours sincerely, Anne Valentine, social worker. Mm. Wow. So you've read that before. I
0: have and actually you know what um, reading it now at the age of 43 yeah, you know it's a nice letter but reading it at the age of 13 mm. it took its toll on me it really like for a long time I mean I'll never forget So it.
1: was that the kind of first time you realised you were really adopted
0: Well it's the first time I see in black and white
1: That it's real Yeah It felt real
0: And, and yeah like, I later went on to, so because of my addiction, I guess when I, you know, one of the, the the questions I have always asked myself is, does that mean I can drink? Okay, I was always finding a way to justify being able to drink normally. And of course, does that would,
1: mean I can drink as in drink, drink alcohol? alcohol? Yeah. What does that, what do you mean? Does that mean I can drink?
0: Well, look, throughout my 20s and 30s um i i started understanding that i had a problem with alcohol so the, the 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 voice in your head kind of tries to justify why you can drink and that's the disease it's on your shoulder constantly saying i go on you can because so i always had this question in my head can i and the reason i went on to find out so I needed to find an identity, my identity. So in 2012, I went and met a social worker who, again, read this out to me. And, you know, she kind of explained the the intricacies of the situation. Bridget was intellectually disabled and I had four siblings. And... um I guess my ego got in the way back then because or did it like I was painting a picture in my mind's eye of an intellectually disabled person and thinking, you know, what would a meeting be like with somebody like this? And I was thinking that, you know.
1: You didn't want
0: to know. I regret it. Because it's now too late, she's dead. And, you know, like if there was ever a way of finding an identity, it would have been to actually meet her and I can't do it anymore. So. It is a regret that I have, and I guess why I'm doing this podcast is to try and tell people, A, it's to normalize adoption and to remove the stigma, but it's it's to let other people know, look, don't let it be too late. Just do it. Seize the moment. Carpe diem. Sorry. Sorry.
1: Yeah. Um.
0: And I do feel that my ego got in the way. It was like, oh, how would, how what, what would it be like going into the room? Like, um, And, you know, it never happened because of my ego. And I regret it.
1: So you didn't get to meet your birth mother Mm. and it is a regret. Of course. And it's very sad.
0: It's extremely sad. Yeah. Um, If I could turn back time, I would have seized the moment back in 2012 and just did it because, you know what? She wanted to meet me.
1: Can I say, you may still not have done it if it if you didn't do it for that time. You had the opportunity. So do you think what do you think would be different now? If do you think just because the opportunity is gone that now you regret it? Or do you think?
0: No, I just feel that I'm in. So again, like. I was too shallow, like. I was it was all about, you know, uh, I was making the intellectual disability kind of a big deal. And I was concerned about how. Maybe her inability to deal with meeting me would affect me, and it was all about me and it was my my ego. I should have just said, look, this is how my mum is, you know, I should just gone in there and even hugged her, and not cared about how you know, like when you say somebody has an intellectual disability. To me, that I don't know what that actually means.
1: But it could mean so many things. It's it just could mean a learning disability because if she had four children or was it five, four or five children, five. she had a job, mm. she went to school, she had you know a love interest. Mm. Um, well and then there could only be a certain amount of disability there to have that level of a normal life so yeah. to speak um so
0: see the letter says one thing but my meeting with the social worker she had a lot more information to hand okay and let's say what she said to me in the meeting was it kind of more of a focus on the intellectual disability than the letter um and i was playing this video in my mind about you know what that might look like knowing other people who may be you know disabled in some shape or form and thinking you know <sighs> um it was all about me though and i like pff, it's too late now and uh you know if i could turn back time or if that's if anybody like, I know it's a pretty unique situation to be in. Yeah. But I look for anything as important as this, like it's your birth mother. I would say seize the moment and just do it. Yeah. Um, And get that sense of.
1: But you did meet a sibling.
0: I met a sibling, yeah.
1: And she looked like you.
0: And she looked very like me and she was into fitness, which I was. And. Um, obviously, that would have been when I was thirty-two. So my hair was thinning. So I was kind of scared of losing my hair, and that was another question I asked her. And she said, "Yeah, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of the people in the family would be thinning, and they just shaved their head as well." Um, and that's that's how I am now, obviously. But um,
1: and how did you feel after when you met her? Like, what was the moment like when you saw her? Um,
0: I saw her in me, Um, but there was a sense of.
1: You saw you in her.
0: Sorry, I saw me in, I saw, her, yeah, I saw yeah. me in her visually, like facially.
1: Where did you meet her? Like, where was in a, it? In a
0: hotel outside Dublin oh. v- with the social worker.
1: And was it emotional or was it just like, hello?
0: Um, I tried to, like, I was quite detached. Mm hmm from it emotionally, I tried to kind of deal with it as a kind of a almost a business meeting. I didn't want to get sucked in because, look, when you're meeting a birth sister like this, you don't know, are you opening up Pandora's box? You you don't know what's, you know, and I I just didn't want to get too deep. So that I wouldn't be able to get back out. So it was kind of like, okay, these are the facts. Very black and white, a couple of questions. lovely to meet you. Maybe I'll meet the mother. I'm not going to say my mother, I'm just going the mother. but for the moment, this is good. and when I build up the strength, maybe I'll actually meet the mother. and obviously i, I that never happened but so if she was one of five siblings. The f- she was the third the first was kept the third was kept the second was put up for adoption the fourth me put up for adoption the fifth also put up for adoption and I know the second
1: it's very hard to kind of hear it's like which one was kept and which one was given up for adoption well the first
0: and third had it's the same just, father I was uh, a different father Um, but the second I know
1: it's kind of very it just sounds eeny meeny miny mo it's just It's. it's
0: no, I, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't was, say that. I wouldn't reduce it to something like that at all. Just, I'd say there's, look, I, c- I can only imagine for Bridget and that side of the family. And I'm conscious mm-hmm. that some of these lovely people could be listening. And I don't yeah. want to offend anybody's sensitivities at all. And, um, and I'm sorry if I have, but I know, for example, the second child who yeah. was given up for adoption, he needs support. He has a, a social worker with him twenty four seven, like Bridget did. So and he has, I believe, drug and drink issues, and that's that's to even hear that was like, Okay, I need to be careful here.
1: But that's really upsetting, yeah.
0: So, um then the fifth one
1: And are you in touch now with your your um the biological sister that you met? No,
0: because look, there was always this Worry of betraying mum and, mum and dad, okay. our mum and dad, and I never wanted to do that. Yeah. And um, although strangely, this is the, my bur- brother has reached out, but I can't go there. Why? Because it's just because it's just not the right time. It's just.
1: But would you not just say to people that it's all it's carpe diem and it is the right time and take, seize the moment and you have a moment
0: yeah what if well, this you get... was this was before now let's okay. say this was this is a, a matter of years ago um, and okay. and actually it was a strange one whereby um,
1: was it on social media
0: no but he emailed me but because but, he obviously got my email address from my birth sister but a birth niece of mine follows me on social oh. media
1: and how do you feel about that?
0: Oh, great. I mean, but she mess. she sent me a DM one day and it uh, was like, hi, Paul, look, this might be a bit forward or it might be a bit strange, but actually I'm your niece. <laughs> and like of all DMs I get, that was so you, kind of... Do you read
1: of, all your DMs? Um. You read mine. I'm always DMing you.
0: Yeah, but like, anyway, that was a particular DM that uh, I don't know if I got back to her or not, but I thought it was interesting.
1: OK, so you have a niece and a brother that you haven't met, but you have the chance to meet them. Oh,
0: I've, 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 as you saw in the letter, th- that that side of the family is huge. Look, let's just say, I know, look, the mother, not meeting the mother, I can, I can tell you now it was a big mistake. In terms of the other siblings, like it's a huge family.
1: But what about your father?
0: The father just fled. He, he, oh, I I believe it was just a kind of a one night. Uh, don't
1: meeting. say that.
0: Well, that's probably what it was. I
1: mean, hey, that's speculation.
0: It is. Okay. It is pure speculation.
1: You need to maybe take your own advice as well.
0: Yeah, I do.
1: You do. But that's a lot, Paul. That's a lot.
0: Oh, yeah, it's a lot. But look, I think it needed to be told. And again, it's all about. Removing the stigma of, like, I think it's important to just talk about it.
1: It is, hundred percent.
0: You know, this isn't something that should be brushed under the carpet. Let's talk about it. There's nothing wrong with being adopted, at all. No. So.
1: Okay. Okay. You all right?
0: I'm I'm delighted and excited.
1: I am. Okay. Good. (laughs) All right.
0: Folks, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Moose on the Loose. If anything I said during this podcast has affected you in any way, I have a number of links in my Instagram bio that you might want to check out now.